Great. Well, we are going to come back to our series on, we're looking at God's economics of superabundance or looking at a perspective, putting, if you like, the glasses on of how God sees uh, the economy. But primary, for one reason, it's in the, it's in the news quite a lot money, cost of living, and it's often wrapped up in anxiety, in an interpretive lens of anxiety. But also because as, as followers of Jesus, whatever the news is about, this is something um, that's just important to process, what it looks like to, to follow Jesus and use money to advance his good governance on earth as it is in heaven. So we're, Chris is going to speak now, um, so I'll pray and hand over to Chris. Lord, I thank you that you're so good. Whenever you speak, it's always good, liberating news. And that's how we recognize your voice. It always sets us free. So we remove the lies in us that are are scared of freedom. And we ask you to immerse us again in the spirit to hear your voice and your path into reality. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Alice. Great. So I wanted to start by confessing my sin to you. (laughs) And, um, and I feel like this, this, this talk is kind of a, it's a kind of sharing something of where we're at as a church together. And, uh, as much as anything else. So it feels a bit vulnerable, but it's, but it's good. It's healthy. And uh, confessing our sin is something that is, is a good thing and that we, you know, we love to do because it brings healing and freedom. Um, and I think it also illustrates a bit um, what, uh, what comes up when we start to look, in, into, look into money and, and these things. So we had, a, we had a church meeting back in December. So for those of you who are not aware, we're a, we're a congregational church and the way that we organize ourselves is we have about six meetings a year which are kind of businessy meetings and we get together and we uh, talk together about where the church is going and, and make decisions on certain certain big matters as a church together we had one of these in december and we were looking at hope's finances and uh, our finances as a church at the moment our regular income is lower than our regular expenditure so we're spending more we've got quite a good chunk of cash in the bank so it's not a crisis, and um, we've got what we need for, for today. But, um, but something needs to change. Uh, in, otherwise, by the sort of autumn time, uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, short. And so uh, someone said, actually, it'd be really good if we can talk about this on a Sunday, because we tend to talk about it in church meetings, and not everyone reads the, the minutes, the notes that come out from church meetings. So if, you're, if you weren't there, then you wouldn't know. And, uh, and so as a result, talking really a bit about Hope's finances today, and uh, we'll go into a bit more detail on things like our costs and stuff. We've got our AGM coming up in Feb. So we'll, we'll talk about things like our costs and give a kind of wider view of Hope's finances um, then. But today I wanted to particularly focus on, uh, on our income and on giving to Hope. And, um, and we've, we deliberately as a church don't, don't talk about money a lot. Actually, at the moment we're in a series on the economy, so we talk about money every time, every week. But 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 we don't talk about like we don't do make a big deal about giving offerings to the church, and 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 we don't speak a lot about giving money to the church. 
And, that, and that's partly for quite good reasons. And I think um, it's partly we don't want to make a big fuss about it. We trust that God will provide for us. And uh, we don't want to go on and on about money like that. Um, but, but also uh, recognize it's probably a bit of a, it's a, bit of a weakness and, and something we should probably do more. So when someone said, oh, could we talk about this on, in, a, in a Sunday service? I was like, uh, I've been fi- finding it quite, I've been squirming and a bit squeamish about, about, about doing this. I don't, don't, don't really want to be doing it, to be honest. And, uh, and so I was uh, so asking God, what, what, what is it? What's the, what, why is this, um, awkward for me? Why is this difficult? And, uh, I don't know how long you've, you've walked with God or what your, your, all of your journeys of faith will look like, but I've found, I've been a Christian for about 25 years and, and, and I think there've been wonderful times in my life when, when I, I recognize my sin. And it's, it's a bit like when you've got a spot on your face. And, 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 you know, you know, sometimes they can, sometimes you get sort of fairly, you know, they're just sort of there. Other times they can kind of hurt and there's sort of a pressure build up. You, you know, are you familiar with that? And then, and, and, and then there's a real relief when you squeeze it. And, um, and it's like, and, and the pressure's gone and it's, oh, just a, the spot's still on your face and it's still annoying. Maybe you'll dab some blood away or whatever. But you're kind of, you're kind of towards the end of it, you know, you're getting through it. I don't know if that's just my experience. But, um, but I, I find that being convicted of my sin is something a bit like that. It's, um, it's a bit disturbing. It's a bit of an annoyance. But actually, it's, it's, it's quite a relief because I've found that as I confess it and as I give it to God, freedom and healing and greater wholeness is, is kind of coming. And so this, this, was my, this was my sort of spot-like journey with, um, with, with talking this morning. Because I think, because as I was asking God, why is it that I'm so squirmish about talking about Hope's income and giving to Hope and Hope's finances. And I felt God say that, sort of highlight to me, that it's basically, um, I don't want to put a sense of burden on you all, people who are part of Hope, people who are members of Hope, of sort of financial responsibility for the church on you. That might make me sound like a really good, I don't know, a great, kind person, uh, you know, who's really concerned for everyone's welfare. Um, uh, but I think actually... It, it, it displays a, a an, an attitude, a belief, a value within me, which is which is different to to the way of Jesus, and it's and it's if I kind of dig it, dig in, what is that? It's a it's a fear that if you, for example, give money to hope financially, then you yourself will be short of cash. That's that's been you know, and I don't want you to be short in your personal, your family finances. That's the that's been the that's been the rub for me. That's been the discomfort, and and actually that's really that's not that's not the way of Jesus at all, is it? That's not the that's not the life of faith. If you, I think it was it last week or the week before, um, Andrew was asking for some examples. Might have been last week. Andrew was asking for some examples of things around money, and one of the children talked about uh, the woman here giving the, the poor widow giving money in the temple. Do you remember that time? So so Jesus and his disciples they're in the temple. And, people, and they have a big sort of offering plate or an offering basket or pot or something in the temple. And people are giving large donations of money. And then this poor widow comes and she puts in two copper coins, it says in Luke. And, um, and Jesus is, is amazed at this woman. And he, says, and he points her out to the disciples and says, look, you know, everyone else is making a big deal about what they're giving. This woman has given everything that she had to live on, it says. It's her last two kind of copper coins. And... Probably, they're probably in more of a cost of living crisis time than we, than we are now, back then. You know, the Romans were really screwing every last penny out of them. And it was a difficult financial time. Um, interesting that Jesus didn't say, 
run over to them and say, hey, don't put the money in there. Um, you won't be able to feed yourself for your next meal. He's not, he's not concerned that she'll, she'll you know, not have enough. Actually, he just celebrates her and is excited. And I think that that shows that his confidence was that as she gives money to God in an act of worship, she'll be provided for. Her next meal will be provided for. And that's, that's the, what we see in, in the life of faith and, it, and in, in the Bible, isn't it? So the, the, the weird thing is, and this is what happens when we, this is what I like about, this is why I think money is probably talked about so much in the, in the Bible. Jesus talked about it a lot. It's because it kind of betrays our internal values. It, it kind of exposes the condition of our hearts. Do we really trust God? Do we really? And that's often quite a complex picture. So, so it's funny when I, I, I'd say to you that I've got this fear that God won't provide for you if you give financially to hope, for example. And actually, my own journey is that it, it totally works. Um, I've, I've always tithed, like, which is to give like 10% of my income. Um, I've done that since I was 18. And God's always, always provided an abundance uh, of provision for us in, in, in different forms. I know that there's been times when we've been through some real challenging financial um, situations and we've had very, very little, but God's provided for us. There have been times when we've been more comfortable and, again, seeing God's hands of provision right the way through. So I know in my personal life that this works. But every, every time um, something comes up, and maybe looking at our giving, it's a... It's a it's a, it's a challenge for me. Again, it's, oh, I, I want to try and get out of this if I can. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to press in. So, so I, I'll, just, I'll just give you a few little examples. So, so um, Alice and I came, this is Alice, my wife, if you, if you haven't met us before. Uh, we came to Bristol in 2002, 2003. The reason we came to Bristol was we'd heard about Hope. It had just started as a new church. Uh, we'd just got married in 2003. And we loved the sound of this church. We loved the vision. We loved the culture. And we thought, let's go and be in Bristol. I come from the east of England, the land of the big sky, flatland. Alice comes from Sussex. And so Bristol was a, a far, sort of wild west. We'd never been here before. It's a new place, new place to come to. But we came because, we, because of hope. And, we, um, and uh, we've been following Jesus for a, for a while. And we wanted to just be all in and following Jesus. And, and so we felt like part of that, being part of hope back then, was it was important to live in the, in the area so we could walk to the church. And... Uh, um, but, you know, it's an expensive part of Bristol, Clifton, isn't it? Um, very expensive area. And, uh, and at the time, I didn't have a job. I was unemployed. I'd just finished studying. Alice was doing some postgraduate studies. So we were pretty, we were skint. And we were praying in for our money every month. And then Anna Brunskill, some of you know Anna Brunskill, who was here um, back then. She, she found this flat on, on York Gardens. You know the York Gardens? It's the road where you have a showdown if you're driving up the hill and the car comes towards you. So she found this flat that was £550 a month rent uh, on York Gardens, which is an extraordinary rent. And, uh, so, so, and, and we managed to stay there. And we, we lived in that flat, and we used to watch the showdowns out the window of our living room. Uh, but it meant that we could walk down the hill to, to Hope and be, and be really, really near to here. And uh, lot, lots, of, lots of journeys of, of financial provision for us over time. But, um, but, the, the, but the thing is that we've always, always had enough. And, 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 and so... I really wanted to, uh, to, to, to confess this to you and say, look, I've, I've, I've deliberately withheld not talking about Hope's finances and I've not encouraged and taught people to give to Hope as part of their portfolio of, um, you know, how, you, how we spend our money. And the reason I've not done it is it's been out of fear. It's been out of a lack of provision. 
uh, 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 a fear that God won't provide for you. And, and, that's, and I just want to say that's wrong. That's, that's inconsistent with the teaching of Jesus. That's withholding from, from what we teach and what we say. Um, and actually, I did, I did a bit of looking. You can look at these things on that, the Charity Commission website. I was looking at some other churches in Bristol that are similar sort of sizes and similar sort of styles to us. And our, and our regular giving income is lower than other churches that are of similar size or smaller than us. And that's probably because, and I don't, it might well be because we don't talk about it enough. And um, so, you know, my withholding uh, it might well have been a blocker to our finances not being as uh, what they are. So um, just want to ask your forgiveness uh, for withholding uh, the fullness, you know, some aspects of Jesus' teaching and, and say, I'm sorry. And I, want, I, want, I intend just to talk about this more often. We don't want to be obsessed about it. But, we're, we're, but, but, the, but the thing is that we're a community and we, and, we, and we want to do life together as followers of Jesus. And it's important that to do that, that, that we, um, that we all, all share in this. So um, I want to just take us through now a few passages of Scripture that I think speak to us about um, our giving. And, and so conscious that there's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole realm of, a whole number of ways in which we um, do our finances God's way. Uh, participate in God's economy. We've been talking about a lot of different things over the last few months when we've been on this series. I had a good chat with Dan and Harry the other day, and they they were they'd been thinking about ideas for how um, how we could let each other know when we have financial need within the church. You know, so there's the in Acts chapter two, Acts chapter and Acts four. There's the, the the believers there shared things in common, didn't they? And, and then and there was there was no financial need amongst them. How do we do that as a as a church community? We don't quite live in the same proximity to each other as they did back then. That their their, their economy was a little bit different to what ours is now. But still, how do we how do we share our needs? How do we know about them and do that in a way that's appropriate and and, and so on? They had a few ideas about that that we'll that we'll come back to. But my tendency would be to veer now straight into that because that's about giving elsewhere. When, <laughs> but what I, what I need to be talking about is hope's finances and giving to hope. Um, so uh, want to be looking at looking at three passages and now Malachi, Matthew, and Corinthians, and uh, and then I'm going to bring this into land with a with a, a question for us. So um, Malachi, can you write that? Oh, Michael's so good at this. I think he's always one step ahead. Um, so this is this is Malachi, which is uh, the last book of the Old Testament. And it's um, it's written, it's a prophet called Malachi, quite a good name if you're going to have a son. I think that's quite a contemporary Malachi. Any middle name Malachi's in the room? No, oh, so there's a gap in the market. Okay, um, and anyway, Malachi. So he was a prophet speaking when at a time when Israel really weren't following God. They had um, uh, they'd kind of neglected worship. And, 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 and stop following the Lord. So the context into which Malachi was speaking is, I think, different to us. I don't think there's the same rebuke on us for not following God. But, but what is helpful is, um, uh, it's a, a teaching in here in verse 10 about the principle of what happens when we give to God, give our finances over to God, first of all. So, um, it, the first six, ver- the first few verses there talk about the kind of context and he's saying, you know, return to me, you've, you've neglected me. And, uh, and I'll read from verse 8. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. So it was mandated kind of more strictly in the Old Testament than it is to us in the New Testament to give kind of 10% of income to the temple. And that's what they call the tithe. 
Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. And this is the, this is the, the, the kind of principle which, again, we see right the way through the Bible is as we trust God with our finances and with everything else, he does this, um, he does this multiplication in, in response. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the, win- the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So he kind of puts out a challenge here. So try, try this out. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So that's a, a, a sense from, from Malachi in the Old Testament of this, of this multiplication principle that happens when we, first of all, trust God with our finances. And then go on uh, to the next one, Michael. Um, or two, two slides on. Um, Matthew chapter 6. So uh, this is Jesus teaching here the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, really saying, don't... We've, we've quoted a lot of this in, in recent weeks already. That you can't serve two masters, for you'll either love one, love the other. You can't, serve, you can't be devoted to money and God. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat and what you'll drink. And, and why worry about your clothes. And I wanted to go particularly to the verse 31 and, and to 33 at the end. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. And then seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So very similar uh, to the kind of principle of Malachi about we just put God first in everything, and he provides all we need. And then the third passage is um, Paul's writing to the church in, in, in Greece here, in Corinth. And so this is a different context again. Jesus was speaking to Jewish people. Uh, Paul's speaking to the kind of Gentile world in Greece. And what I wanted to, I love here is the kind of spirit with which Paul encourages us to consider our giving. So he's, he's arranging there for an offering to be made, a collection to be made for um, a very poor church in another part of the world. And uh, and he's kind of telling the church how to think about their giving. So, uh, verse 7 says, You must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all that you need. Then you'll see it's the same thing, we've seen the same principle weaving through. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So it's that thing of you must decide in your heart uh, what to give, and uh, God loves a cheerful giver. And I, I wanted to emphasize again this journey of um, discerning what God's leading and voice is to us. Is this kind of um, this place of what, of what sits well, you know? As we hand our whole life over to God, then, then what sits and stays with us. So those, those are three um, bits of uh, passages that um, speak into giving and uh, and kind of bringing this back to hope, uh, so our place as a church is that, as I said at the beginning, our, our income is lower than our, our expenditure. And we're kind of looking at, is there, are there things that we can change within our expenditure as well as part of that? But also feel, feel like our, our income is probably lower than it should be. Um, so I so just want to ask, ask you, if you're part of hope, then we encourage you to consider giving to hope on a regular basis financially. Um, uh, again, this is no pressure. I don't know who gives what. We have a finance administrator, Claire, who 
who manages all of our uh, pay- payments in and out. So we deliberately don't know what's going on. I don't really want, don't want to know. It makes it a lot cleaner not to know. So this is a, a thing between you and God. And, um, and, and if you're part of Hope, this is your church, then I encourage you to look at giving uh, regularly. Uh, and if you and if you don't do that, if you don't give financially, then I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd, I'd say that there's something probably isn't quite right there. Even if you're on a really low income, or, or you know, if you're not employed, then then there's something like with the, the widow uh, who Jesus, you know, commends. She, she, our finances are so core to the and so close to the, our sort of heart that um, that it's an important part of our of our life. So um, and then practically speaking, on our tables and on the chairs, we've got. Um, our flyers that have got our fortnightly email so you can and they've got our bank details on there so if you, if you want to um, set up a, a, an online transfer or a standing order uh, you can do that there we also got a, a gift box over in the corner um, so I've done my duty I've discharged the um, <laughs> I've wholeheartedly said what I believe to be the teaching of Jesus and, and I know that this works so um, uh, I, I would encourage you try it out I've got loads of stories from my life I can share. I'm sure lots of people in the church have got lots of stories that you can share. This is, uh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a joy to be all in with Jesus, and 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 it works. And we don't actually get to see the fullness of who God is, of who Jesus is, if we're half-hearted. Um, been having some great conversations with people this week who who aren't believers in Jesus, who don't know Jesus, and and there's a there's a there's a there's a tension in me which thinks. It is so good to know Jesus. It is so good to follow, follow Jesus. And I can see the arguments that you're presenting for why you don't. But if only you could taste and see what it's really like. You know? And I think the same thing is true with, with, with our money. As we, as we trust God. Um, it, it's, and, but it's, it's like, it's like you, never get to, you never get to experience swimming unless you jump in the water. You, know, you, you don't just feel it from the, from the sidelines. So uh, my intention is just to mention this giving to hope every, every month or something like that. I'll, I'll just mention it as part of our notices probably. I want to be a bit more uh, out there and showing that that's my repentance. But um, I wonder if we could all just pray together now and ask God to provide uh, what we need income-wise for hope. Is that okay? And it might be that, uh, might be that some of that comes through our personal responses. Um, but could we, could we stand and, 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 and together as a community just ask God for, for that income? So, Lord, first of all, I want to thank you that you you have given us our daily bread. Thank you for the cash that we have in the bank at Hope. And uh, you've provided the finance, um, you know, about 200 grand altogether for the for the roof work and all the internal decorations. We're getting towards that, I don't know, 150, 200 grand. You provided this amazing amount for that. So I want to thank you for all of your provision. Um, and, and, Lord, we also ask you now, together as a community, to increase our income. And we pray that you uh, provide all that we need. Uh, that the church can thrive and we can serve the city and uh, the areas around and the nation. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm a great believer that the kingdom's coming on earth as it is in heaven. And we get to partner with that or not, it will still happen. I'm reminded of the book of Esther. He said he will always deliver the Jewish people and he will always inaugurate new creation. That's what he's doing. 
and, he, and, Esther say, and Esther has a choice of whether she gets to be a part of it. It's happening, and we have a choice as to whether we get to be a part of it. But the, the faith is the risk factor, because we don't know what it looks like until we've taken that step. And that step is costly. And it always works. But you never know it's going to work until after you've taken the step. So I feel that this, this is an invitation to partner with the abundance of God's goodness. But it's a faith step. I also am a great believer we can't be moving in solidarity with communities across the city who are have more systemic injustice than we do unless we we have to have the honest conversations first to make sure it's mutual and equal what we ever do and partner with with anyone else. So we need to be humble and vulnerable with each other before we then can hopefully be generous and partnering with others. So this is an authentic journey for us. This is a, this is a morning we woke up and it's hard to come to hope. But actually, I think, what, what else are we doing if, it's not, if it doesn't require that kind of overcoming and vulnerability? But in the light of that, actually, Emma had a really encouraging word, not knowing what Chris was going to say. She just, uh, you just started speaking. And Emma, do you want to share the word you had? Uh, yeah, I had a picture of a dam. Um, and it was like the wall of the dam just as... Chris spoke and as he repented it's like the wall just came down and the water flooded out of the dam and was set free to move um and the sense I had was you know God can provide he's almighty but there's something about us doing it together and it's in what you've done Chris and I'm sure you Alice as well um you've released something that will enable us to give but God to provide. Um, so thank you. I feel really excited. Um, from my point of view, I've been thinking about whether I should work an extra half day um, in my job. And my initial thing was, great, I'll get, we'll have some more money <laughs> so that we can save to go on holiday rather than just being able to cover our costs just about. But as we prayed about it, God really challenged me and said, don't do it for the money, do it for the calling. So I've been trying to work out, is it right, Lord, is it not? And I've kind of got to the point where I think it probably is. But this morning, it was it was almost like, here you are. This is something you can give your extra money to. I'm calling you to give the money. Um, so just an encouragement, if if there are other people who feel that, go for it. You know, if we're obedient together then he can provide for all our needs abundantly. That's great. Um, Esther, would you be able to lead some worship? There's a really empowering um, verse in Romans 12, which I find really, really useful. When I can't see clearly, it's a way to clarify our vision. When we can't hear clearly, it's a way to unstop our ears to hear what God's saying. You might have heard of it. Um, Paul says in Romans 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. 
So our bodies is everything we do in the material realm. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, which is fundamentally orphaned, just doesn't know it's loved. And so it's continually in self-protection mode, survival strategy. We don't need to be conformed to that any longer because we now know we're loved. We don't need to operate out of self-protection anymore. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, by the renewing of your mind. So there's this process of as we sacrifice ourselves and give ourselves fully over to God in every hour of our life, we experience a transformation because our, literally our neural pathways are like rewired in, in alignment with reality, that we're loved, we're not orphaned. We literally see the world differently. It's a repentance, it's a change of mindset. Then we will be able, the guarantee, the promise is we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. We will just know what God's will is. We'll know what he's telling us to do. We come out the other side of sacrifice with clarity. His good, pleasing and perfect, that's mature will. So as we worship now, it's, it is about singing, but it's actually about offering our whole bodies again, our whole lives again, trusting that as we do that, we will hear his voice clearly for what he's asking us to do. We don't hear clearly if we withhold. That, I think that's all it means to not serve two masters. We can't hear both voices at the same time clearly. So we're either hearing one or the other. And the way we know we're hearing clearly is through a full and complete surrender. So I'll pray now. And then as Esther leads us in worship, we can... Um, give our bodies as well as well as hearts and words. Lord, I thank you so much that the safest place to be is in a place of surrender. The lie we believe is is we will lose everything, but you say actually when we lose everything for you we find everything. But if we remain a single seed and we don't surrender, we fall, we we do not we never multiply. We just sit on top of the earth. We never get buried in it and come out in multiplication. And we want to be a people that, as intense as it is, are buried in the ground and come out in multiplication. Mm. So we offer you our bodies as living sacrifices and ask that we are transformed in alignment with reality by the renewal of our mind. And that as a result, we can see clearly and hear your voice clearly. Amen. Mm.